Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. everybody. Thanks for joining us yet again for another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast with me, Jessica Dela Cruz, and my very handsome husband, David Dela Cruz. You can't see his face, although we do have a picture of him. If you... I have a voice for radio, right? No. Or a face for radio, is face, that what they say? <laughs> you do have a voice for radio, actually, um, but not your face. Your face is just too, too oh, handsome. You're too... Anyway, so episode 32. Too much. Uh, we're talking about is Rhode Island two weeks away from a self-inflicted health crisis? Now, I think the answer is yes. David? I think so, too. I mean, when I read some of the same news reports and hear uh, some of the same declarations coming out of the state and the um, the inflexibility of the administration, it sounds like we have this uh, slow motion train wreck that is just a couple of weeks away. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of give people a summary, you know, if you were to scan some of the reports out there, we're, we're seeing quite a bit there. Um, we know that the vaccine um, mandate has uh, has a deadline to it, at least in Rhode Island, for October 1st. Is that right? That's right. And if uh, a, a healthcare worker is not fully vaccinated or at least has one dose, right, by October 1st, um, then they are not going to be allowed into their place of employment. Uh, according to the um, Department of Labor and Training, for state employees, they will not be a- allowed into the building because it will be considered a condition of employment. Now, just to, uh, to and get... on top of that, mm-hmm. they will they they will lose their license. Right, that was one of the uh, the threats that the governor made. You right. will lose your license. So you went to college, paid hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm. and now you're going to walk away with college debt mm-hmm. and no license to practice medicine. Right, you... so... and that's the thing that's been irritating a lot of folks is that um, when they 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 started their career it's like they entered into this like social contract with society okay i'm gonna take on this debt i'm going to learn this occupation um i'm, I'm going to become skilled in it become employed in it and i understand what i'm getting into and now suddenly they've um they, they've added conditions to it that are that, that are unfair to them and don't match and their i would argue if that's the case if the if the government does strip them of their medical license mm-hmm. um then the government should pay the balance or not the balance, the entire, um, amount of the, for what they paid for their degree. Wow. If so, the government's going to strip you mm-hmm. of your, of your license, they better pony up the cash to pay for your mm-hmm. education. So anyways, well, so you give, were talking about those articles. So, right. so let's go back to that. So there's a few, um, j- just to give you some context and uh, let me set the table. You know, there's about a million people that live in Rhode Island. 150,000 of them are not vaccinated, um, which um, means that about 16% of the the um, the population is eligible for a shot, but has uh, continued to uh, resist it for, for whatever reason. Um, now, in the, um, the the private and public sectors, it's a little different. If uh, if you're looking at private institutions and private um, uh, private companies, they have a little more uh, flexibility, but uh, not so much for the state hospitals and state-run institutions. 
So for example, um, Eleanor Slater Hospital in Cranston, uh, Zamborano Hospital, of course you work very closely with those, and the Veterans Home, those are state run. Uh, so they'll be placing workers on unpaid leave if they're not vaccinated mm -hmm. by October 1st. For 75 days. Exactly, for 75 days. And if they're still not vaccinated by, that would take us out to December 15th, they'll face progressive discipline and even possible termination. Mm -hmm. And this is all in the larger context of the national mandate that uh, President Biden announced that all workers of any company with more than 100 employees would have to get vaccinated or at least be tested weekly. However, in Rhode Island, we don't seem to be making allowance for the weekly testing. Is that right? Yeah, that's at one least of in the, healthcare. Yeah, you're right. We're not. And that's one of the, the proposals that I made which was you know, out of 50 states, Rhode Island is one of six that have the, has this heavy-handed approach. Even California allows for uh, for modifications, mm -hmm. you know, a regular testing of uh, for COVID, uh, PPE. You're, mm -hmm. you're wearing it. You're wearing an N95 mask. And so I think that we can find, strike mm -hmm. a balance with protecting the population while still preserving the religious convictions mm -hmm. of those individuals who feel that they can't have the vaccine, either medically or religious right. reasons. All right. So now let's uh, kind of zoom in a little bit back on Rhode Island. If you look at the nursing home uh, industry, there are people like uh, John Gage. He's the president and CEO of the Rhode Island Healthcare Association, which represents like 62 for-profit nursing homes. And he said there are definitely grave concerns from our members about the potential loss of staff. Mm -hmm. So these are... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. These are uh, uh, significant leaders uh, highlighting that they, there's this looming crisis that's around the corner. Um, and there are projections that have been made. They've started polling their people and trying to gauge where they're at. Uh, one projection says that they're going to have uh, a thousand home care patients and clients who will lose continuity of care by September 30th. So again, within two weeks, you're going to see a thousand people start having gaps in their their their, their care. Um, from healthcare workers due to these worker resignations or firing or their forced leave of absences. Um, so that's significant, but it's not just even that, you know, the, that man represents 62 for-profit nursing homes. The, there's another one, the Rhode Island Healthcare Association. They polled their members and asked how many of them would be willing to uh, um, leave and actually resign. And hundreds of them said they would rather resign than take yeah. the vaccine because of these sincerely held. I've gotten emails and phone calls from yeah. people saying, I'll just leave. I'll do it. I'll find a new, a new employment elsewhere. Yeah. Th this was 425. So 425 home care providers. These are, you know, social workers, um, nurses, CNAs, CNAs yeah. uh, all, all sorts of, uh, of providers are going to be forced to resign because they will not get the vaccine because of a, a sincerely held belief. Yeah. So that's why a, uh, a lot of people, including James Nyberg, have said that our industry is in panic mode. They see the looming crisis. It's right around the corner. And, uh, and they recognize that there's going to be significant gaps in the ability for people to get care. So is the administration playing a game of chicken? I mean, is that what we're doing? Because everyone keeps saying that there is a health crisis on the horizon. We already don't have enough healthcare workers in the state. Say that again. That's very important to, for people to hear. That we don't have enough healthcare workers in the state. We States? don't, right. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing for 20 years that 
young people, if they're looking for a good job, get into healthcare because it will be growing. The, the demand is going to be growing because of the baby boomers and, right. and before them, the, demographics, the, yeah. um, the greatest generation, right? Mm -hmm. The, uh, these folks have all gotten older and they're, um, they're needing more and more healthcare. So it was just a, a perfect place for someone to land if they were looking for job security. And you and I know tons of nurses and doctors and all kinds of people in this we industry. Do, yeah. And uh, and they work a lot of hours. They work long weekends and and sometimes back to back and uh, shifts. So it's um it's a it, 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 there's already a huge demand to your point. So to suddenly now see in one day, or even over the span of a few weeks or maybe a month or two, to see uh, hundreds of people just starting to be laid off or forced to resign or a mm. leave of absence or just fired, man, that's only going to exacerbate what is already a bad situation. Yeah. And when I talk to people who need to go to the emergency room and they're talking about 18 hour waits, mm -hmm. that we're, we've been there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And, you know, you may think it's like someone coming and changing sheets and, you know, moving, adjusting someone in their bed or maybe giving them some pills or whatever it is. But we're talking about, you know, grave situation in which people can die. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, uh, Governor McKee, he, um, he signed in another executive order that would allow retired nurses and other healthcare workers to re-enter the workforce without losing their pensions. Mm -hmm. So I think the administration sees how bad this is going to be. And for them to basically say, hey, I know you guys are retired. We're going to ask you to come out of retirement. Don't worry. You can keep your pension. You can keep collecting. Uh, and you'll get paid on top of that. It shows how desperate the administration is. So That's a Band-Aid fix, though. Because if you're retired, you're not coming back to another 20-year career. Mm -hmm. And uh, granted, that's that's great. I think that people should be able to come back and help in this situation, but that is a band-aid to the solution. So but what do you I'll, think is going to happen? I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, but you know, there is a lawsuit. Um, mm -hmm. but I, we've been talking to attorneys, you and I, and, uh, it looks like somebody will be filing a, uh, a lawsuit, but I want to go back to the healthcare crisis because I, you know, as you said, I represent Burrowville's um, Zambrano Hospital, but in that umbrella is the Eleanor Slater system of the Cranston campus and, and the Veterans Home. So I'm just going to talk about Eleanor Slater Hospital, where currently there are 129 job vacancies. Hmm. And they're already severely understaffed. When I when I talk to people there, they're, they're freezing in CNAs, so CNAs can't leave at the end of their shift. They have to stay for the next shift because there aren't enough individuals working at the hospital. So out of 129 job vacancies, 89 of those are direct patient care. Mm -hmm. 89. Mm. Now, I heard um, that 50 employees that currently work for Eleanor Slater face termination on October 1st because of their medical condition or because of their religious conviction. Wow. So that's going to take that number of job vacancies from 129 to 179. Right. Okay. Uh, now think about that. Mm -hmm. We have a healthcare shortage coupled with this looming healthcare crisis. And what is our leadership doing? Mm -hmm. It seems like they're doing nothing. They're yeah. not communicating anyway with the, with the public and what's the plan? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, I just think it's, this is why that I've had my petition out there to end the state of emergency because you cannot 
you cannot give so much power to one man. And are these uh, nurses, and it's not just nurses, it's firefighters, it's uh, police officers, it's all sorts of, you know, state employees that are trying to, to uh, um, you know, maintain this sincerely held religious conviction um, mm -hmm. not yeah. to not to get this uh, vaccine. Um, are they um, are they willing to make accommodations like, you know, do the weekly testing or well, Daily the state's testing. not willing to do the weekly accommodations mm -hmm. or, or, or not weekly, but accommodations. Um, and they should, but the individuals that I've spoken to are absolutely 100% on board, ready to do whatever it is they need to do to stay employed and serve the people that they've been serving for the past almost two years. Yeah. They said PPE, got it. I'll wear it. Regular testing. Absolutely. I'm down for that. So, um, I don't know why there's that disconnect because I do think that's a reasonable accommodation. Now, I have been hearing some people kind of ratcheting things up. You know, there was one uh, uh, media personality who suggested maybe we actually need to, to go to the next level um, by forcing people or, or coercing people into getting a vaccine. And he suggested that since they don't want Did the vaccine- Do you suggest dropping them down? Well, he he <laughs> he suggested that if um, they don't want the vaccine and they get COVID, um, then they should be denied health care. Um, the hospital should have every right to say, "No, you knew what you were doing. You you gambled on this. You rolled the dice, and wow. you got COVID. You're sick. So, um, you know, you you're gonna have to stay on the sidewalk." Sounds like a really compassionate person. <laughs> he really does. Uh, yeah here's the problem with that. We live in a free country in which we have laws, established laws that protect the minority and, oh, and, and religious convictions. And just because you don't agree with it in that moment, in that instance, doesn't mean that we disregard our bill of rights, because here's the thing. I I'm, I'm fighting for this now and you may not agree with me, but in the future, it may be something that you are in the minority and mm. you believe strongly mm -hmm. and your rights might be stripped from you. Mm. And so even though you disagree perhaps with this religious conviction, we still need to respect it. Right. So for you, this isn't, um, uh, this is about, you would answer someone like that by saying, first of all, we, um, we have to respect this person's religious freedom. Yeah. yeah. Which sounds like you're accusing them of discrimination, right? If 100%. they refuse healthcare yeah. to someone because of a sincerely held religious belief regarding the vaccine, you're saying uh, your religious beliefs are not welcomed in our hospital right? or in our nursing home. And who decides that? The government? Does the government decide what religious beliefs are okay right you know like yeah. i mean is there going to be a panel is this person who wrote the article going to be like the medical czar that gets to choose for everybody or the religion czar who gets to determine oh yeah. you know this is a sincere this is a sincerely held religious belief or it's not yeah yeah i don't i don't want someone like that doing that if if i believe this if this is if this matches my convictions i, I don't want someone in the government some bureaucrat um sitting on a panel. I mean, th that's not the kind of country or the kind of state. There are countries that do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, but that's not Rhode Island. That's not how we were founded. We were supposed no. to be a place completely free of those kind of um, uh, coercive tactics. Yeah. So, so I, I want to be clear though. Mm -hmm. I am pro vaccine, but I am anti-coercion. Mm -hmm. 
You can't coerce people into it. And as you stated, most of the population in Rhode Island has received the first shot. So they're, they're going to get the second shot, but there's always going to be a small subset of the population for whatever reason that they can't take the vaccine either medically or because of a deeply held religious conviction. And we're still America and we still need to protect those rights. Well, I appreciate that you're fighting the good fight. And uh, I know sometimes it feels like you're alone out there, but you're not. I, I think there, uh, it was great to see that there were some 30 members of the House, and I know there are uh, a lot of members in the Senate that are with you and believe this, but um, I do feel like they're, they're, um, um, they're being marginalized. They're being kind of um, talked about as uh, um, not you know, mainstream. But I appreciate that you're you're taking this on and speaking up for people that don't have a voice. All right. Well, that's uh, that's this week's episode of Church and State. We'll um, we'll see you in the next episode. Stick around for today's closing quotation. Today's closing quote comes from an email from a healthcare worker. She said, "Honestly, I don't want to get the vaccine, and it's so sad how this government is violating my freedom and religious speech. I feel that my voice is not heard anymore. I came from another country." to find freedom in the USA, but I think my rights are vanishing. I worked the whole pandemic and did not get infected. I use the standard precautions and I put my life in God's hands before I go to work. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.